Hello and welcome to this edition of the Matt Adams Podcast, brought to you live or semi-live from the southeast side of Indianapolis, Indiana, nestled right in between Beach Grove and Southport. One of the episodes I did a few weeks ago, up before the release of Black Panther, I talked about the MCU movies, and I ranked all of the Marvel movies in terms of how I see them. My favorite remains The Avengers. My wife and I are in the middle of a rewatch right now. We skipped Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk, but that's okay. And we've made it all the way up through Guardians of the Galaxy and Age of Ultron, so we're ready for Ant-Man. You'll notice we're not doing a rewatch of the DC Universe movies. Now, part of the reason I want to talk a little bit about DC this week is because Justice League has pretty much officially ended its theatrical run, more or less. It was not a good thing for the DC Extended Universe. Uh, It's probably still playing maybe here in some second-run places and maybe in some other countries and such. But for the most part, they've made the money that they're going to make from Justice League. And at the end of the day, now this is in terms of worldwide gross, it is the lowest grossing movie of that cinematic universe. You've got some of the world's most popular superheroes, characters that pretty much invented the superhero art form in this movie between Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, you would think that would sell plenty of tickets. You throw in The Flash, which is a longtime character for DC Comics and has been a popular TV show on the CW network, you would think that would help. You throw in Aquaman, you've got a big universe, all these characters to play with, yet it is, from the worldwide gross standpoint, the lowest of the movies. It's going to finish its theatrical run worldwide with about $658 million. This is an expensive movie to make. We know that there were extensive reshoots, and we also know you've got to include marketing costs in this whole thing as well. So they did not make a lot of money off of this movie. I think they're hoping they'll recoup some of it from home video, which it did launch on digital a whole month, in fact, before the Blu-ray DVD release came out. It's just interesting, the trajectory and, and how they're different when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Extended Universe, or sometimes referred to as the DC Film Universe, which is abbreviated as the DCFU which is a lot of what a lot of fans feel about it. And, and a lot of this trouble traces back to the way they tried to do their universe. Now, when Marvel built this cinematic universe, which is unprecedented, never really been done before, they started simple. You got an Iron Man movie, you got an Incredible Hulk movie. Now, the Hulk did not do that well, but Iron Man was a hit in 2008, and a significant hit, big enough that Marvel Studios eventually became its own thing, and then Disney bought it, and they built their universe from there. We did not see the Avengers until we saw Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, the first Avenger. Now, individually, pretty much everything except for Iron Man did not hit that top tier on the gross chart. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Marvel Universe, and of course we're looking at $2,008 versus, you know, 2013 to $2,018, if you look at the MCU movies, Doctor Strange, Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Iron Man, Ant-Man, Thor, and Captain America The First Avenger were all outgrossed by 
DC movies in terms of worldwide box office. You think about the MCU movies, and you think about these tremendous hits. And they've had them. They've had five movies eclipse a billion dollars at the box office, which is hard to do. The first Avengers did it. The second Avengers did it. Iron Man 3 did it. Black Panther is still doing it. And so did Captain America Civil War. And who knows where Black Panther is going to end up. It may end up being the highest grossing movie. It's got a few more weeks out there. And we're just going to have to see where it lands. And then we'll have to see where Avengers Infinity War lands as well. Because if that's good and it gets good word of mouth to go with all the excitement that's coming with that movie, then it, it, it could end up being the highest grossing movie out there in the MCU. These movies in the MCU have been hits, but there are a few that if you look at the gross, they did not outgross the DC movies. And it's clear that Marvel constructed their universe in a way that was long-term and sustainable. Because, okay, yeah, maybe Iron Man 2, which did okay, but it, it wasn't as well-received as the first Iron Man movie. And Thor and Captain America, the first Avengers, while I liked them, they were not gigantic mega-hits to the level of the Avengers. What they did do is they planted all the seeds for this universe and these different movies. And then you got excited about the idea of all these characters interacting with one another. You were excited to see how Phil Coulson, who? Phil Coulson? How he would interact with Captain America, and how Captain America would play off Iron Man, how Iron Man would interact with Thor. And then you throw Black Widow, you've got Hawkeye, who were introduced in smaller roles in some of the other movies. You put all these guys together with Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury, you're extremely excited about these movies, and Avengers had a huge opening weekend, and it ended up banking $1.5 billion at the box office. Marvel, I won't say they took losses, but they took some risks with their universe, and probably made a little less from some of those other movies than they really wanted to. But in the long run, it has worked out so well for them. DC and Warner Brothers on the other hand, backed into their cinematic universe. Man of Steel is technically the first movie in this DC extended cinematic whatever you want to call it. And I, I like Man of Steel. I'm, I'm different from a lot of people who don't like Man of Steel. I think it's really well done. I think it's not liked because it's a little bit different take on a Superman, and I understand the criticisms of the movie, you know, uh, maybe Superman doesn't save as many people as he could at the end of the movie, but this was a Superman who really wasn't Superman yet. He was clearly overmatched by General Zod and his minions, and he just didn't know how to handle it. So DC took a different tack on that character than maybe a lot of people expected. It did respectably, about $668 million worldwide. Here in the U.S. it did $291 million. So it did alright. I think they probably would have liked to have made more. Superman is one of the most recognizable heroes out there in the superhero world. Not a bad place to start. The problem for DC and Warner Brothers is the very next movie. I think Superman, or the Man of Steel movie, is a strong enough foundation if you develop that character and you turn him into the Superman that we all expect, that it's going to be successful 
in the universe that you're trying to build. DC and Warner Brothers didn't do that. They decided to go ahead and because maybe the box office for Man of Steel wasn't quite where they wanted it to go, they wanted to get a more popular character, or, or their most popular character, which is Batman, in there. So instead of building a Superman movie and doing a sequel and then doing a Batman movie and then introducing Wonder Woman in a movie, they decided to do it all at the same time, in the same movie. And that movie was the ridiculously titled Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. So it's sort of a sequel to Man of Steel, but not quite. We're going to put Batman in there, and we're going to throw Wonder Woman in there, and then we're going to have these bizarre little cameos from The Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg in there. There's just too much going on, and they really doubled down on some of the darker elements of Man of Steel, which I think was the real mistake that this world made. Man of Steel's, I will admit, not the most joyful movie in the world, but as that movie progresses, once we get through the end and the big battle, you really feel there's this the sense Clark Kent, who has felt alienated his entire life from the world, finally understands or has a sense of where he belongs. You think he's going to settle into this routine as ace reporter Clark Kent, he's going to develop a relationship with Lois Lane, and become the big blue boy scout that we're all accustomed to. Instead, Batman vs. Superman throws out all of that character development. Superman is once again this alienated guy who doesn't know where he fits in the world and doesn't really want to fit in the world. And they did this mostly to serve the Batman character. I don't mind some of the things that they tried to do with Batman v Superman. But the problem is they tried to cram way too much into the movie. And then when they released the theatrical version, it was two and a half hours. Didn't really make a lot of sense. And while we're at it, let's just throw Wonder Woman in there in a supporting role. We're not even going to introduce her, really. She's just going to show up in this movie, and she's going to be Diana Prince. At the end of the movie, when everybody needs her, she's going to show up dressed as Wonder Woman. I don't think any of this was well thought out. And it really goes back even to the trailer for this movie. One of the scenes is Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne meeting each other, and Clark Kent, who's supposed to be this reporter who's been around for a little while now, I'm presuming after Man of Steel, and he's like, who's that Bruce Wayne guy? Now, he's not even who's that Bruce Wayne guy. He's just like, who's that? Somebody tells them it's Bruce Wayne. Well, in this cinematic universe, Metropolis and Gotham City are located right across from each other. It's a river or a bay separates them, basically. If Clark Kent is a reporter worth any of his salt, why would he look at Bruce Wayne and go, who's that rich guy? Now, it's okay if he's never met Bruce Wayne before. That's fine. He's got to be introduced. But he should know who Bruce Wayne is because Bruce Wayne has had a tremendous impact on the world, mostly as an industrialist and a billionaire tycoon, as most people know him, but also as Batman. And another scene that bugs me is really one of the funnier jokes in the trailer, but when you see the movie, it makes no sense. You've got Batman and Superman fighting this CGI creature who's supposed to be Doomsday from the comics, and Wonder Woman shows up. 
And she's really powerful, awe-inspiring. Superman asks, is she with you? And Batman asks, I thought she was with you. Which is completely dumb, because Batman has already met Wonder Woman. The joke, while cute in the trailer, makes no logical sense in the movie. And there are a lot of things involved in this movie that happen like that. These days... Comic book fans are trained to go to the movie, stay through the end credits because you're probably going to see some sort of tease for another movie. Marvel has done that. They've trained us. I cannot fathom why people go to a Marvel movie and then they get up and they leave their seats and don't come back. Now, sometimes there's enough time when the credits, if you need to use the restroom and come back, catch the end stinger. You can do that, but some people are just completely unaware. Anyway, my point is we're kind of trained with the superhero and the comic book movies. You stick around, and you're going to be rewarded for your patience with an end credit sequence. When my wife and I went to see Batman v Superman, as soon as those credits rolled, people could not get out of the theater quickly enough, and we were we were with them. We didn't stick around because I'd read that there was no end credit sequence, but people were just let down, upset by that movie. They did not enjoy it. That feel you get from a movie theater, if you go and you see Black Panther, or you go see Civil War, or Thor Ragnarok, those audiences are clearly having fun. They don't mind sticking around till the end, although, like I said, some of them still leave, but people could not get out of that movie theater quickly enough for Batman v Superman. And that told me, I mean, it's anecdotal, but that tells me a lot about the way that movie was received. In the end, it grossed $873 million, which is a lot of money. But the budget was probably huge, like Justice League. They marketed the crap out of the thing to try to get people to go to the theater. They didn't really show up. It made decent money. I mean, $873 million is not anything to sneeze at. That's not what Warner Brothers wanted. They wanted their own billion-dollar franchise. The problem is they decided to cram all their characters into the second movie of the series instead of trying to build it sustainably. And then they shake their head and they're like, I don't understand why people didn't like this. And it has to do with Marvel understanding its characters and having patience and the audience having patience because they trust Marvel. Iron Man was good. The Incredible Hulk wasn't great. Iron Man 2, okay. I liked Thor and I liked Captain America. And even if you didn't necessarily like those movies, you're excited to see those characters all come together in the Avengers. And that was a major hit. But DC is just going to cram everybody in there. I don't even mind if they're going to make a Batman who's a little bit older and grizzled in the world. I thought Ben Affleck was fine. Thought he was really good, actually. But they tried to tack on this framework of Superman and Batman being at odds and trying to fight each other when they hadn't earned that animosity between them. Now, let's say they'd introduced Batman and Man of Steel or something like that, and Bruce Wayne was some sort of a supporting character, wasn't really into the whole Superman thing. Then, you know, maybe that works. Probably not, because Batman's a good enough character. He needs his own movie to be introduced. But they didn't bother to do that. They went ahead and tried to bank on the fact that these two characters have such history in the comic books that people are going to buy tickets to see them pound each other. And that's not what happened. People saw the movie. It was dark. It was grim. And I, to me, the, the biggest sin of Batman v Superman, especially the theatrical cut, is that the character development of Clark 
Kent from Man of Steel is just thrown out the window. That character is no different. He's still the mopey, alienated guy that he was in the first movie. And he shouldn't have been. The fight between Batman and Superman may have worked if we're talking about two ideologues who have opposing views of how justice should be dispensed. Superman being the more merciful one, and Batman being the darker reflection of that. So that they had a disagreement that was philosophical in nature, the irresistible force versus the immovable object. And instead, the whole reason they fight each other in the movie is because Lex Luthor engineers everything, and if Superman doesn't fight Batman, then he's going to kill Clark Kent's mom. That's what their conflict boils down to. And so it's dark, it's grim. I remember my nephew wanted to go see this, you know, when it was released a couple years ago, and I had seen him, like, you don't want to see that. And I don't think he's seen that, and if my brother's out there listening continue with he doesn't need to see Batman v Superman until he's 15, if that. I will say for Batman v Superman, the studio did hack that movie to pieces. The theatrical cut does not make any sense. I don't think it does anyway. Feels like it's missing a lot. And there's an Ultimate Edition that Zack Snyder put together, the Director's Cut or Ultimate Edition. That's how they branded it was the Ultimate Edition. And it restored 30 minutes worth of scenes and suddenly some of these things in the movie that didn't make sense before finally make a little bit more sense. It's a fuller, more fleshed out movie. It's still a failure for Warner Brothers because looky here, looky here, Marvel put all these characters in their movie and it made 1.5 billion dollars. There are just a lot of problems with the DC movie universe and I don't want to harp on it too much but That's what this episode's about. Now, after Batman v Superman, we had Suicide Squad, which, if you can believe it, is an Oscar winner. It won an Oscar for makeup effects. So, there you have it. It grossed $746 million worldwide. Had a lot of decent ideas that were executed poorly. I mean, the whole point of the Suicide Squad, sort of the anti-Avengers. Instead of being a bunch of good guys who get together, or the Anti-Justice League, I guess, is more appropriate. Instead of a bunch of good guys getting together to beat the bad guys, the government takes a bunch of bad guys and puts them together to fight bad guys. And in the comics and in some of the DC animated stuff, Suicide Squad's great. It's fun. It's neat. You've got this collection of people. They're basically coerced by the government. You're going to do what we want you to do. Have at it. But if you're going to assemble a team of people, and this team includes like Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, Harley Quinn. These are people that really aren't super powered. Deadshot's a great shot. Harley Quinn's extremely acrobatic. Captain Boomerang throws boomerangs. You've got one guy, Diablo's a fire guy. But for the most part, these are villains who should be fighting a more appropriate threat. And instead, they basically fight some magical goddess in the movie. And and I'm sorry, but if there's a magical goddess that is trying to take over the world, then it's probably time to call in Wonder Woman or Superman. Of course, by that time, Superman is dead because in Batman vs. Superman, they just decided, I guess I should have mentioned that too, not only should we cram Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman into a movie, we should also try to cram in the death of Superman storyline as well. So we're just going to throw Doomsday in at the end. He's going to fight Clark Kent with really no stakes. I I mean, the stakes are Superman's life, and, you know, those, those are big stakes, but there's no emotional connection 
between Doomsday and Kal-El. They go ahead and they kill Superman in that movie. And then, you know, throughout this movie, Batman's been talking smack about how Superman's this alien, he can kill us all because he's too powerful. And then all of a sudden he does this reverso at the end of the movie and he's like, man, Superman was so good to this world, we didn't deserve him. And you're like, were you watching the same movie that we watched? How can you say that? Now, part of that's because Batman was losing it a little bit in that movie. He's, he'd kind of lost his grip on things, so that's why he had some animosity towards Superman. And so that all sort of flipped when Superman died. Or he realized that Superman really was a good guy, or was trying to be a good guy, and that he needed to be honored. But it, it still doesn't really work because the character arcs in the movie don't make any sense but back to Suicide Squad you've got these unique individuals for sure but they don't really have the power set to go up against somebody who is all-powerful I mean if some godlike being is trying to take over the world and you're sending in like a sniper and a clown girl with a baseball bat we're in real trouble and so that's where Suicide Squad fails to me. Although I, I watched it in the first time, I thought, oh, this isn't so bad, but it really does not hold up well over subsequent viewings. The end is kind of your blue beam in the sky, CGI monsters, and they're just a lot missing from there. And I, I believe that movie was, again, tampered with by the studio. There were reshoots. But it, it's things like they introduce a character named Captain Boomerang. You may have heard of him earlier when I talked about him. And he has this thing where he really likes pink unicorns. And he keeps a pink unicorn with him. So they make it very clear in the beginning of this movie that Captain Boomerang's attached to this unicorn. Yet that is never utilized in the movie at all. Should have been played up for a laugh somewhere. There's a scene where Captain Boomerang goes out with the Suicide Squad. They had beaten one of their mission objectives. They're all sort of drinking together and talking in a bar, and they're getting ready for this final mission, and Captain Boomerang leaves. And then when they, when you've got the big walking shot of everybody getting together to go on this final mission, Captain Boomerang just kind of slides in there. All you needed was a tin... 15 second little scene with Captain Boomerang walking off, abandoning these people that he just met, and looking down at his, his pink unicorn and talking to it and being like, No, you can't talk me into going back. I'm not going to do it. Shut up. And then, you know, he comes back. Just a little moment like that makes everything make a little bit more sense. But, you know, they don't really care about such things in the DC Cinematic Universe. It's painfully clear that that is the case. So by the time Wonder Woman is released last summer, it feels like a gigantic accident. They gave the movie over to Patty Jenkins. She was able to do mostly what she wanted to do, I think without as much studio interference as some of the other things. And she made a really good superhero movie. Wonder Woman, thumbs up. I liked Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, eh, okay. Batman v Superman, you've heard me talk about that. Wonder Woman's truly a great movie. Or at least it's 85% of a great movie. Gal Gadot is really good as Diana. And Chris Pine is really good as Steve Trevor. 
the thing about Wonder Woman is they they basically, in some respects, there there are differences, of course, but in many respects, they kind of took the plot of Captain America: First Avenger, changed Cap to a woman, and set it in World War One instead of World War Two, just because there there are some parallels with the the wartime setting, the old time hero who is in the past yet somehow eventually makes it into our present, their future. They hit a lot of the same beats in those two movies. I'm not trying to take anything away from Wonder Woman. I'm really not. But there are definitely some similarities in the themes and the tone of the movies and how they approached the characters. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If something works for a character, it works. And it worked for Wonder Woman. They gave her her own Howling Commandos type squad. Very similar to the Motley crew that Cap had. But those story beats worked for Captain America. And those story beats worked for Wonder Woman. And the whole opening sequence on Themyscira is really great. And it's neat to see the Amazons. And there's some good humor in the movie. Because one thing sorely missing from Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and even a lot of Suicide Squad is genuine character humor. And they went for a little bit more of that, a little bit lighter of a tone in Wonder Woman. And it worked. It worked so well that it was the highest domestic grossing movie in the DC Universe at $412 million and crossed $821 million worldwide. It had a lot riding on it. It was the first main character female-led superhero movie in this golden age of comic book and superhero movies that we have seen since Iron Man came out. And that's really the, the, the watermark for everything is Iron Man. It probably didn't help from DC's perspective that their massive hits in the comic book world happened to be the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which took a more serious take on the characters, set them in sort of a real world, and so th those movies did very well. They sold a lot of tickets, and I, I believe DC thought they should double down on that, but then they didn't want to include the Christian Bell Batman into the world of Superman that they were making, so they didn't get any crossover from that. I mean, frankly, it would be weird with the world that Christopher Nolan set up to have Superman suddenly appear in that world. However, if you had done that, if you had set Superman in the Dark Knight universe, or the Batman Begins universe, or whatever you would like to call it, if you had put Superman in there and have his discovery be made after the Dark Knight Rises, and then you want to introduce a Batman at the end of his line, then it makes sense. Because you've been through some battles with this particular Batman. Maybe he has to come out of retirement to combat this threat. But really, the Dark Knight universe or the Batman Begins universe, it establishes a very serious tone that tries to take a grounded approach to the Batman character. So it probably wouldn't necessarily work. But what I'm saying is... DC doesn't think about these things. And really, it's a miracle that anyone went to see Wonder Woman based on the fact that they just sort of threw Wonder Woman into Batman v Superman. She was probably one of the best parts of the movie, but she was thrown in there and sort of treated a little bit like an afterthought compared to the two main characters. But she was great, and I love the theme music. But they did do well enough with Wonder Woman to maybe get people a little more excited. And it was a big cultural touchstone here. I'm going to go off a little bit on a tangent here. But kind of the amazing thing about last year and what we saw in February this year with Wonder Woman and the Black Panther is we have seen two major cultural touchstones 
in comic book movies and in mainstream media in general. With Wonder Woman, I mean, the money game does not favor Wonder Woman here, but they did give her an excellent movie, and maybe if the DC Universe had done a little bit better of a job, maybe she might be in that billion-dollar club because it took some trust for people to, to go and see Wonder Woman. Black Panther has been an amazing story, made more than $1.1 billion worldwide, and we're just going to have to see where it goes. It's been number one at the box office for five weeks, which nobody does that anymore. Nobody can sustain that momentum. Hollywood builds its bank on the first uh, opening weekend, and if they can not have a huge drop-off on the second weekend, they're happy with it. Black Panther has sustained, and that's why people criticized them originally putting that movie in February, which is where it needed to fit on the Marvel schedule in order to get in before Infinity War. With really a dearth of competition out there, it's allowed Black Panther to thrive and to make unimaginable amounts of money. So good on both of those movies for bringing some different audiences in to the movie theater and giving people some heroes that reflect them a little bit more than, say, Tony Stark does. But the interesting thing, or, or the sad thing, about the DC Universe is they could not sustain that momentum from Wonder Woman, which was a mega hit. $821 million worldwide, 412 here, just stateside. Finally, some good vibes. They feature Wonder Woman prominently in the marketing for Justice League. And Justice League, it's a flop. There, there is no other way to put it. When you put all of your big superheroes into one movie... And you can't even match half of the box office of the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, or really even the second movie, although it's close. You've got problems. So Justice League finished its run with $657 million, almost $658 worldwide, 229 here domestically in the U.S. Just unbelievable. You would, you would think that a movie could capitalize on some goodwill with Wonder Woman. Barely made half of what Wonder Woman made domestically. And they, they tried every trick in the book. They, they showed a lot of promos with Wonder Woman, tried to convince people Wonder Woman's a star of this movie, and if you liked Wonder Woman, you should come see Justice League because it's going to be just as good, and people really didn't turn out. I mean, it had a disappointing opening weekend. Again, when you've made Man of Steel, I will not count that as a bad movie, but when you've had the bad will that comes along with Man of Steel and people not liking it, and then you have that with Suicide Squad, and you have it Batman with Superman, you've got three movies that didn't really galvanize your viewing audience. You've got one that did, and you would hope that maybe you would get a little bit of momentum from Wonder Woman. I think DC expected that. Now, watching Justice League is not a terrible experience. It's fun. I actually like Justice League a lot. It's messy. It's messy. I only saw it once at the theater, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. I liked the interplay between the different heroes. I thought everybody did a really nice job with it. I uh, liked uh, Ezra Miller as The Flash, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, Ray Fisher as Cyborg. I liked all the new characters just fine. You know, I, I criticized Batman v Superman was two and a half hours and made no sense. They wanted to get that runtime down because a shorter runtime means more showings in a day. More showings a day means you're going to sell more tickets, which means you're going to make more money. And that's how they looked at things. So for Justice League, which they basically kicked Zack Snyder off and brought in Joss Whedon to finish up, they wanted that puppy under two hours for its running time, and that includes credits. So that movie is indeed under two hours, and that includes the credits. So you're looking at about an hour and 50 minute of movie there. And this is, again, in a film universe that has done very little 
to introduce its characters or make us care about anybody. And now you've got Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, who, okay, at least you've done something with them, I guess. The, the Flash appeared in a cameo in Batman v Superman, also had a very short scene in Suicide Squad. Ditto Aquaman, no cameo for him except little underwater web video thing that Lex Luthor's company found. You've got to introduce all these characters, you've got to introduce your threat, and you've got to do this and bring back Superman, by the way, since you killed him in the last movie, and you've got to do this all in an hour and 50 minutes. Oh, and by the way, we're going to completely redo the movie, scrap a lot of things that Zack Schneider shot, and have Josh Whedon insert some scenes. There are lots of rumors out there of a Zack Schneider cut, and some reports have even said that it's an unwatchable cut of the movie, which I I don't believe. Because, well, sometimes, okay, every time Zack Snyder struggles with character development and having the audience be able to relate to the characters in his movies, they're never unwatchable. The guy knows how to shoot. The guy knows how to shoot action. The guy knows how to set up shots. He makes beautiful movies. They wanted to go away from his kind of grim tone, and so they did. They tried to lighten it up. You end up with this team-up movie that is tonally inconsistent from the rest of your films. Sans Wonder Woman, which is a more hopeful movie. And the movie starts with this montage of the world grieving the death of Superman from the last film and how he was this beacon of hope for the world. And there are very few hints in Batman v Superman that Superman has any type of beacon of hope in that world. As a matter of fact, it seems to me most people consider him to be an outsider who's an alien who could destroy the world and bring more danger to the earth. And if that's not what the filmmakers intended, the filmmaker being Zack Snyder in this case, then he needed to have a more hopeful Superman in Batman v Superman, somebody to root for. Because really in Batman v Superman, there's nobody to root for. Uh, like I said, Superman is mopey and hasn't changed a bit from Man of Steel, even though the end of that movie kind of gave us sort of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge that we expect from the Superman character. And we spend not much time with Batman. I, th I think that they've done a lot of things wrong. And they've spent a lot of money on these movies. It has not worked well. I heard this week they canceled Justice League 2. Which, how could you not? They do have another movie in the pipeline. There'll be uh, Aquaman in November. It it's got a great director. James Wan has a fantastic reputation. I'm not sure Aquaman's going to put butts in the seats. Even though I, I kind of like the brotastic Aquaman from the Justice League movie, I don't know that that character has the appeal to stand on his own. I mean, they have cast it well, got a good director for it, and I could be wrong. I mean, I think a lot of people had the fear that Wonder Woman was going to be a disaster just because the rest of the things in the DC Universe had not worked out well. And as it turned out, Wonder Woman was a really solid film. Had its problems, mostly a, a villain that wasn't all that well sketched out, and then, you've heard me say before, CGI smash fest at the end. But in Wonder Woman, it works. Even though it, it's not a great finale when she fights Ares at the end. Super CGI heavy guy. You know, not great. But it works okay because they made you care enough about the character that you're willing to overlook some of those things. They were not able to capitalize on that momentum with Justice League. But it's definitely a movie that is of a couple different directors with lots of studio interference. You've got Zack Snyder laying the foundation 
with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. The studio wants to go in a different direction, so they bring in Joss Whedon. He brings his signature style to it, and it clashes with Snyder's. So if you'll notice in the trailers, there's some different coloration in some of the scenes because they've shot it differently. There are some added shots into the movie that don't necessarily look like they belong or that they match. And people have done lots of videos on the internet that have pointed out all the differences in these scenes from the trailer to the final movie. And I'm not going to go over that. I'm just going to say, yeah, you can definitely tell in the trailer, Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck's hair is one way in a scene. And then when you look at the movie, it's different because they've shot it at a different time because it's one of the reshoots. There are problems with Justice League. Do I think that it deserves to be the lowest grossing of the DC Universe movies? In a way, yes, because of the way DC quote-unquote built their universe. But in another way, I don't think so. Because it's a lot more, it's it's more fun, it's got better humor, a lot more heart to it than really any of the other movies in the series other than Wonder Woman. And I would even argue Man of Steel. Again, I know people have a lot of problems with that movie. How Superman destroys the city of Metropolis, basically, people say, and snaps Zod's neck as if he had another choice in the situation. Sure, it was contrived a little bit, the way the filmmaker set it up, so that was really the only choice that Superman had. But it truly weighs on him. And that's an important moment for the character. He doesn't want that to happen again. He doesn't want to have to go through that. He doesn't want other people to have to go through that. But those other DC movies, Batman v Superman is missing kind of heart and soul to it, even though, as I said, the Ultimate Edition, I'm fine with. I wouldn't rate it the best movie of all time. I wouldn't rate it probably above too many of the Marvel movies. There wasn't a whole lot of Superman in it. And then we kill Superman at the end of that movie. I remember there was a guy and his kid that sat in front of us at the movies, and they didn't make it through the whole thing. They were bored. The kid was bored halfway through the movie and left. Why they don't make superhero movies for kids, necessarily, that's still a big audience point. I mean, you're, you're making action figures. There are tie-ins for these movies, and you've got to keep that audience in mind. Even if the movie's intense, even if it handles big themes, it still has to be accessible, and Batman v Superman is not. Even the Ultimate Edition, which I do admire, I would say that takes this movie up from maybe a 4 out of 10 to a 7 out of 10. Even it does lack a little bit of heart and soul, but we do get to see a little more Clark Kent. The plot makes sense, and we get a little bit more of Superman in that movie. But again, the big problem for me with Batman Superman is that they have they chucked out the entire character through line of Clark Kent and Superman that they developed in Man of Steel. The through line is Superman finally figures out where he belongs in this world, and he wants to be a person who does good. And there's that element of Superman trying to do good in the world in Batman v Superman. Really, when you look at it from the point of Clark Kent and Superman in that movie, he's not changed much from Man of Steel to Batman v Superman. And that was a mistake. He should have been, even if the world saw Superman as a threat, as Batman does, the Superman character 
in that movie should have been an extension of the character we saw in Man of Steel. It's called character progression. You have to do it in storytelling, and they didn't take that character development and run with it. That's probably because the studio probably decided, well, we don't have any Batman movies in the pipeline right now, so let's just forget about this Superman sequel and shove Batman into this movie because he's the most popular character. Then we're going to graft on some haphazard background story with... I mean, if you've seen Batman v Superman, the beginning of it is is really good Bruce Wayne scene. He's racing through the streets during the final battle from, from Man of Steel. You're seeing it from his perspective. He's driving around. People are running out. He's running in, trying to save people. And he's talking on this phone to this guy who's nobody. We don't know him. And you're supposed to care about him. And you're supposed to care about the fact that Bruce Wayne cares about that guy. And you don't. I don't think he's a guy from the comics. So it's not like, oh, hey, Easter egg. Oh, that's too bad. That guy died in the building. Nobody cares. And that's just indicative of the lack of care from a storytelling perspective that went into that movie. And again, I can overlook some stuff. I really can. I know that I'm harping on the DC Universe. I've spent 45, 50 minutes harping on it. And I'm one of the people who actually kind of likes some of those movies. So you can only imagine what people who absolutely hate them think. They've got a couple of interesting things coming along the way. They're doing a Shazam movie with Zachary Levi from Chuck the TV show. He also played Fandral, or was a replacement Fandral, in the Thor movies. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Aquaman. And apparently, there is also a Flash movie that's in the works that's changed writers and directors multiple times, but they have actually picked directors and announced them again. And the rumor is that they're going to do a Flashpoint story, which Flashpoint's a comic book that came out a few years ago. They did a version of that story in the Flash TV show. And basically, if you don't know much about the history of the Flash, his mom died when he was young and his dad was framed for her murder. Inspired him to become like a crime scene investigator and then eventually he became the Flash. Sometime he goes so fast that he discovers he can manipulate time. I'm giving the Cliff's Note version of the story, but basically he goes back in time, saves his mom's life, and when he returns to the future, everything's changed. The world's in shambles because he made this selfish decision to save his mother. There's a bunch of changes. There's a really good animated version of that that came out from the DC animated universe. The Atlanteans and the Amazons are in a war against each other, and it turns out in this world, when Thomas and Martha and Bruce Wayne were attacked on that fateful night coming out of the movie theater, instead of Thomas and Martha Wayne being shot to death, Bruce Wayne ends up being killed as a kid, and his dad, Thomas Wayne, becomes kind of a more sinister, brutal version of Batman, and it drives his mom insane, and she becomes the Joker. It's better than it sounds. Anyway, they're going to do a Flashpoint movie, and that's the understanding that they're going to do this, and I think it's a way to try to reset the DC Universe. There are a lot of rumors that Ben Affleck's not happy being Batman. I mean, how could he be? Batman Superman was derided a lot, even though he was probably one of the better 
things in the movie. So I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. with. All I know is I think Justice League's a better movie than people give it credit for. It's fun. And if the studio would have just let Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon do what they wanted to do with the movie, probably ends up being more successful. Or maybe not. I mean, it's it's clear that there's a large segment of fans of these movies and in the general public that do not appreciate the Zack Snyder style of storytelling. And so maybe, even if you keep him on the movie, maybe it's a bust. Because people are like, well, we've been fooled once, we've been fooled twice, we're not gonna, we're not gonna have this happen again. But I think it's a movie... They wanted to make big changes to it, and instead of being patient, maybe delaying it, I know they didn't want to do that because they have investors and they'd promoted the movie and it was going to be out and had a release date and all of that. I think if they'd put that off a little bit, let it have a little more time in the cooker, I think you get a better movie out of it and maybe some goodwill from the fans. But instead, as DC is wont to do, they just rushed it out some of the cgi didn't look good in in the movie and then of course the infamous mustache from henry cavill who plays superman and clark kent he'd grown a a mustache because he's in the new mission impossible movie and contractually with paramount he was not allowed to shave that mustache so when they called him in for reshoots for justice league he had to keep the mustache on well superman and clark kent don't have a mustache, so they tried to CGI it out. I've watched it, and it's kind of one of those things that looks a little off to me, but it's not like creepy zombie Superman, which is what a lot of people, what it strikes them as. It's one of those things, if you're really looking for it, yeah, it looks weird, and I was looking for it. It wasn't this egregious, terrible thing. I think it's a better internet story for people to make fun of than it actually was something that affected the film. But it's just another indication of the disaster that befalls the DC Universe because they have no patience and no plan. I'm sure things with the Marvel movies have not gone 100% the way that they have wanted them to all the time. But they adjust. For example, an early an early example. The Hulk didn't really make that much money. It wasn't. It was okay. It had an okay response, but it was not nearly the hit that Iron Man was. They had some problems with Edward Norton and his approach to things. And so when it came to the Avengers, they just recast him. They brought in Mark Ruffalo and his best decision they could have made. Same thing with Ant-Man. That was a long gestating project. It had been an Edgar Wright movie. He wanted to bring it. It was his vision. There was some sort of disagreement along the line in the way things were being handled with that between Marvel and Edgar Wright. So he went bye-bye. And we ended up getting a different director, Peyton Reed, for Ant-Man. And I think that worked fine. It'll be interesting to see how Ant-Man and the Wasp shakes out in July. So anyway, I've just kind of uh, rambled a bit about the DC movie universe. I don't think they are the worst movies ever made. I do see some redeeming qualities in them, but I also understand why people have such a strong, visceral reaction to them, a negative reaction, because Warner Brothers and DC just cannot get it together. While Wonder Woman was great, real good movie, great characters, some really strong writing in that one as well, it still fell prey to the third act problems that we see really admittedly 
even in a lot of the Marvel movies. But it worked. And then they tried to sell, hey, look, everybody, Wonder Woman's great. She's also in Justice League, and she plays a really big part. But nobody really came to see the movie because they'd been burned by DC enough times. They're fine with Wonder Woman. They love Wonder Woman, but they didn't like Batman. They didn't like Superman. They weren't sure what to think about Aquaman. And they had a version of The Flash on TV that a lot of people already liked. And they didn't want to have to really learn and understand why there's a new version of the same character. So what do you think about the DC movies? Do you think they're a disaster? Or do you find that they have some redeeming qualities? Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Statomatty. Send me an email, matt at mattadamswriter.com. Matt at mattadamswriter.com. Thanks for listening.